We're Kenyon and Takara Martin, faith-based marriage coaches, champions for healthy love, and lovers of pizza. And this is the Ask the Martins podcast, where we answer your single, married, or dating relationship questions with practical advice and research-based techniques. Have a relationship question you want answered? Well, send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram at Ask the Martins, or visit us at AskTheMartins.com. Now, let's get into today's episode. Okay, you want to be ready to get started with this? Let's get started with the first question. All, All right. right. She says, I'm a therapist and I use your Instagram messages in my practice often. Also have friends and family where they are struggling with singleness. I'm wondering what's your advice or resources for women and men who are in their 30s to 40s who's been waiting on God to send them their mate. They are struggling with the idea of why not me yet? How come others have a man or a woman are married and not them? Are they not worthy of God giving them a mate? They believe they are doing the things they are supposed to do and yet don't have a man. They won't be happy until they are married with children. Do you have a podcast or know of any other resources that speak specifically to this void or messaging around this? Thank you. Also, keep in mind, most feel tired of the enjoy life while wait while you waiting on God message. Well, you won't be getting that message from us now. Not today. Here's the thing. This is the podcast. So this is the one that's created for you. Now, really, this kind of crosses over into some stuff that we've already laid the foundation for before. When you're dealing with people, when you're dealing with singles who are in their 30s and 40s, who call themselves waiting on God for their mate, then that is the structure of their weight. That is the structure of how they identify whether they are worthy of a mate. That is the structure of how they um, um, really judge themselves regarding a mate. And so if they're dealing with, um, we're in our 30s and 40s, we've been waiting on God to send us a mate. mate. Why not me yet? That's a stressor. Are they are they not worthy of God giving them a mate? How come others have something that they don't? So on and so forth. And so there's a few ways we have to actually address this. The first is address the theology of it, mm-hmm. obviously. If you haven't been with us, if you haven't walked with us, and if you haven't talked with us in these particular areas, you don't know what we've actually taught. And we step on some theological toes. But if you have been hold on, we're going to repeat ourselves, but we're going to do it in a summary so that we don't actually have to go through the whole entire thing again. The thing is, is that God is not a matchmaker. That's that's just the bottom line. There is no biblical precedent for God being a matchmaker. Uh, If God was a, a matchmaker, why is Ananias with Sapphira? Why wasn't Sapphira saved from Ananias's behavior? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. God doesn't matchmake. And so what we've done is, is that we've taken the whole Adam and Eve concept, which is a narrative in and of itself, without even getting to the literature background. We've taken that and said, well, I'm looking for my rib or God has to, will bring me someone. But no time, that's a unique situation and circumstance. And no time after that does God do that. Now, what we can do is we can look at how God behaved with the people of Israel, starting with Abraham, and see what he's done regarding mates. Because Abraham was very in, very, um, uh, very focused on getting um, his son Isaac a, a wife from his hometown. 
And as that grew in from Isaac to Jacob, who became Israel, and as Israel grew into a nation, God was very instrumental in focusing on them staying a nation or, yeah. or being within that nation. Now, what we can do is we could take God's um, God's behavior within that and the principles within that and apply them. So when we apply the national principles, what we're looking at when it's translated to new, the New Testament is equally yoked. And even though the scripture about equally yoked is really dealing with who we rub elbows with, we've been able to um, apply that principle to to wives and husbands. Yes. The same way do we we'll apply this. When we go to Numbers chapter 36, we look and see that there is an issue with land. The bottom line is, is that as some the daughters of Zelophehad are are looking to marry. And they don't want to marry outside their tribe because if they do, they'll lose the land that God gave them basically for that tribe, allotted for that tribe, basically. So what happens is, is God responds to them. Now, God responds specifically about what he's what he's concerned about, and he lets what other what he's not concerned about be known. And he says, choose someone within your tribe. As long as you like them, it's all right. Right. In general, let them marry who they want to marry. Let them marry who they want to marry. Let them be with who they want to be with as long as it's in the tribe. So, you know, God's specifications is let it be a part of you. And then as long as it's a part of you, who you choose is up to you. That's a principle that we could take from there and apply it anywhere else. So we now, can stop getting mad at God. <laughs> so we can stop getting mad at God. And this is very important because we've had people come to us. Well, I don't believe that or I don't want to. I don't because it's, it's an incredible preaching opportunity. People have been preaching it for years. We're stepping on, I don't know how many thousands of messages from the pulpit that promised you a husband or a wife. For a, uh, for a long nominal time. offering. For a nominal, <laughs> right. But without you going back and, and being like a, like a Berean and studying to see whether what he said is true or she said is true. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that was, and and not to be stepping any, on any toes, we're not talking about your pastor. We're not talking about... Um, your your church, but we are talking about what's real and what's right and what there's a precedent set on. There is no precedent set on that. So if God is not the matchmaker, that means you have more responsibility in and accountability in not only meeting a good person, but making sure that uh, they're good for you. Now, does that mean that God is not involved? It does not. Just like um, just like parents, just like we are attracted to how we grew up in a sense, or we only know what we've been taught. The longer your relationship with God, the greater your relationship with God, the more you'll be able to see the God that you're used to in someone else. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so that means that we can't sit up and pray for a mate, but we need to become a mate and understand what God sees as a mate in order to see and identify and discern the correct mate. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes. So we're saying that because now we're dealing with people who are in their thirties and forties who are blaming God or feeling they're not, they're blaming God, but they're feeling unworthy enough of themselves. They love God. So they trust his wisdom. So why not me? Why not me yet? What you have to go into, if you, if you're looking date, if you're looking date, that's another problem. People don't know how to date correctly. I'm not going into that. Let that be another question. But if you're looking date, if you want to be found, be findable. 
That's number one. Number two is we have people in the 30s and 40s. Now, I was doing this earlier this week. You, you didn't know this, but I was looking at other memes and dealing with the idea that that there's a um, people who feel like we are not, you know, there's, there's a there's a cultural uh, issue with women in one culture being married later than women in another culture. I'll put it that way. And so they were saying, well, they get married at 22, 23 and early on or whatever the case may be. But statistics has it that the later you get married, at least the, the, the optimal time of being married is around between 30, I would say between 30 and 35. But the later you get married, the higher the possible, the higher the success rate or the probability of the success rate of the marriage. Right. Okay. And so why are you comparing yourself with other people? They, you know, everybody else has somebody. Why not me? Why not you? Go ahead. Yeah. And I think, you know, another hard truth for this is that God never promised marriage for everybody. Right. And I think if we get into a place where marriage is the only goal, and it's unfortunate because while we're in church, marriage is being preached as if it's this goal to be attained as if it is salvation itself. Right. Marriage is not heaven. Marriage is not the kingdom of God that he said we are promised to inherit. Marriage is a relationship and marriage is something that God desires for us because he does not like for us to be alone. But that's also why in that he gave us community and he gave us fellowship. There are things that we can be doing out in this COVID. So, you know, do as you will be careful, but, But, you know, getting out and I say this all the time and I'll continue to say this. There are things that you can be doing that getting out that introduces yourself to other people that you wouldn't ordinarily in normal circumstances. Okay, and so if if we're sitting here and we're just sitting around like saying, oh, Lord, why me? Number one, it starts to weigh on your mental psyche. It starts to weigh on your persona and how people see you and your personality. If that's all you're worried about, if you're just worried about why is me, why can't I get married? It starts to become something that you weigh so that that you wear and it weighs you down and it actually repels people that may be a suitable mate to you but again number one god never promised you marriage and we have to as church leaders stop preaching that marriage is the end goal that everybody should be running towards and making single people feel like they are less than because they're not married because that's not the case as someone who has been married before and divorced Marriage is not everything that the church is telling y'all it is. So the church needs to stop that and they need to start teaching more realistic examples of just overall building relationship, connecting with people, building community. And you know what? As you're out there, who knows what you'll attract or who knows what you'll Hey, introduce yourself too while you're out there. Take dance classes, start going hiking, go outside if you like outdoors. I ain't doing nobody's hiking, but do things that put you in environments to introduce you to other people that you wouldn't ordinarily. And um, so that way you can stop blaming it on God and pointing your finger at God and saying, why not me? Absolutely. And ladies, we know that you're on the clock, but stop watching that clock so closely because it's not necessary. That's very important. Thank you so much. I think when it comes to that, I mean, just to marriage, health, money, um, um, success or whatever the case may be, we can't keep using things that are in many cases unique to Western world as barometers for God, God's presence. Can they be, um, can they be? 
Can they be signs of God's presence in our lives? Absolutely. God does heal. God mm-hmm. does create opportunities for us. But we have to be very, very, very careful because we'll get to a point where we are loathe the idea that maybe my dad, maybe my father doesn't love me. And we have to be very careful with that. That was great that you broke that down. I thank you. Thank no you problem. for saying that. No problem. Um, let's. You want to go to some of these questions here, and then we'll jump back to these young men questions. Yeah, absolutely. You want to start there? So, um, yes. She says, "I'm having issues co-parenting because I still have unresolved hurt and anger against my ex-husband. I want to finally release all anger and be and be fair and kind. I am to his face, but I am still angry." Okay. So, what you have to do? Listen, I, and I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. It's you have you still have a connection with that person. Yeah. See, regardless of what the emotion, whether it's love, whether it's anger, whether it's resentfulness, whether it's hatred, you that that keeps you connected to that person. And you begin to utilize that to keep that person present with you, even when they're not present with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you have to actually break that connection break what we call what we will call a soul tie you have to break that uh, that that connection through that intimate relationship okay in order to do that you have to begin to really work with yourself and work on yourself on how to get rid of that anger how to deal with that anger how to co-parent without actually asking much of them how to separate yourself how to build boundaries and borders because a lot of people want to build boundaries to pe- keep people out but some some of us need to build boundaries to keep us in so there are things that you have to do in order to do that here's what i would suggest there is a we we have this this free thing is out there. I think uh, I put the link in the bio. The link is in the bio. Descri- oh, the description. The, uh, right. The link is in the description. I'm sorry, not the bio. The description. <laughs> You're fine. The link is in the description. And it's uh, the reason why, six reasons why it's so hard to let go. And it gives you three first steps to take in order to make sure that, um, in order to start the let- letting go process. Okay. And later on, we're going to follow up with great information about that. So you just stay tuned. Yeah. It's just um, so it's so deep. Go ahead. Yeah. No. And I think don't be so hard on yourself that you still feel that anger. I think it is something that happens, um, especially if the divorce is something that you didn't want, especially if the divorce is something that you didn't see coming, especially if the divorce is still coming at the end of you um, working hard, fighting for the marriage and it still ended, you know, and they perhaps left or they're already with somebody else. There are a lot of things that you are going to have to work through mentally and emotionally to get to a place where you're just okay. So don't be hard on yourself that you're not in a place right now that says like, oh, okay, we're we're consciously uncoupling. Okay, <laughs> we're happily co-parenting. It doesn't happen that easily. It doesn't happen like that. And I think it's going to take a while and it's going to take a process of you unlearning and detaching from him so that you can have a much better relationship with him. I think the number one thing that we would advise you to do right now is um, actually separating who he is as a father with who he was to you as a spouse. Mm. Mm. Separate those two things. As a father, if he's a good father, if he's a provider, if he gets them when he's supposed to, if he does what he says he's supposed to do, if he's consistent, if he's caring for them and he's doing right by the children, then you cater to that person as a father and you 
begin to work on yourself and how you respond to how he was as a husband outside of him, outside of the children. That's the very first step that I think we should do right now. Excellent. Excellent. Let's go ahead and knock these out since they're right here, sitting right here. And then I'll go into the sem- the precinct. Kenyon Martin going to have us on late again tonight. I already feel it. I already we feel will it be in here. my bones. Listen, we will be here tonight and tomorrow. So we're going to get and through And he said this. it out loud. I mean, we got to come. Watch him get an allergy attack tomorrow no, morning. <laughs> no, I will not. Um, I refuse. Okay. So okay. we are. Okay. How do you. Okay. I remember that one. How do you ask for help financially from your husband without hurting his feelings, even though he's trying to start his own business, being that he is a great stay at home dad? Okay. Yeah. Well, what you're doing, what you do is you have a family powwow. Hey, listen, first of all, you have in order for him to understand that there's a a financial issue, you have to share the financial issue with him, not share your frustration with the financial issue, but share the financial issue issue with him. When you share it with him in that perspective, what's going to happen is it's going to occur to him or it will bring him into the know of the accountability that he may have with that. So we sit down and say, hey, listen, babe, we're. Um, we're having some issues with the budget and, and meeting some of the goals that I think we have. I would love to sit down with you and talk about these things. Mm-hmm. And then as you talk about that, you, you talk, you talk to them and say, okay, this is what we're budgeting for. This is how we're working the budget. And this is some of the things that we need. Do you think there's anything that we, we can do? Always own it as a us issue. You obviously love him. He's all obviously a great person. So always at, deal with it as a teammate issue. Yes. And you open the books and say, is there something that we can do to make this happen? I know you're working on the business. I have no problem with that. How can we um, either, either expedite that process or do something in the meantime as you work on that business? Uh, and then that's when you begin. That's when he, the, the light sh- should click. As a great dad, a great dad has uh, attributes of being responsible and being gentle and um, being in love with their children. That should translate very well into being uh, a a husband. And he should be able to see that there's some things that he needs to contribute in order to get you to where you want to be financially. Yeah. And I think especially if he's a stay at home dad, it's likely that you guys started out with an agreement that says, babe, it's cool. You stay at home with the kids. I'm going to do this. I make enough money to hold us down this, this and this. And that's cool. I think it's important, though, to throughout the entirety of the relationship. So conversations like this don't get hard as that you're always checking in. Are you still okay? Are we still okay? What's happening here? Does what's going on here? And this is one of those check-in moments. And he says, family powwow, it's great. It this is one of those check-in moments. Listen, we are in some unprecedented times. We've got inflation happening. We've got prices of stuff going up and um salaries are not going up. <laughs> and so with all of these things that we have going on right now, there are the lot that probably has happened that has impacted you to hold your part of the original agreement. Listen, I'm not asking for much. Can I ask you to, you know, maybe perhaps do Uber Eats or do Shipped or do DoorDash or something just to help make up for it. And then also give us some cushion to help also start your business. Um, And I think if you come to him, just as you started out here, 
You are a great father. I love seeing you with the kids. I'm supporting you and I'm rooting for you and your business. Right now, though, with all these things happening, whatever it is that's going on that's causing you to need that help, I just need to ask that you can pitch in this, this, and this. And here's what I'm willing to do to make sure that we can do this together. Amen. That's good. That's real good. Thank you so much, babe. You want to jump over here and then we jump back here? Yeah, absolutely. Tell me where we're going. Uh, right here. Okay, you go. All right. So this is this is a question from a guy. Can one be toxic in a relationship and not be aware of it? Absolutely. And when we think about toxic, we always want you to think about poisons. We want to thank you. Uh, actually, think about carbon monoxide, odorless, uh, tasteless. Uh, you can't see it, touch it, feel it, or smell it. But you only you only know when it's happening once you're sick. And that's how toxic people are. Mm-hmm. Toxic people don't have a an indicator that said, ooh, I'm being toxic or ooh, I'm being bad. As a matter of fact, toxic toxic people are toxic because that is their norm. As somehow, some way they've been molded in that position or they their perceptions or experiences have placed them in a, into a position where they are have a toxic character and have a toxic way that they deal with other people and how they don't have empathy for other people. They are justified and validated in their positions and their standings. The problem is, is that they don't know it. There is such a norm to them that they don't, they don't perceive it at all. Go ahead. And it's such a norm they don't perceive it, but it's also become a norm because you've been surrounded by so many people who uh, cater to it, who bow to it, who um, navigate around it. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of times it can be parents or it can be in relationships where people have learned to navigate your toxicity. And that's also why you don't realize it is because so you, you've you never given them, giving people the opportunity or the room to express it, or you've rejected their expression of feeling like you are toxic as well. Absolutely. In order to get around that, if someone if someone wants to know whether they are toxic, uh, we answered that question. And um, and I think in IG, I'm not going to go that deep. And in order to figure out whether you're the toxic one, empathize with those around you. Begin to pick up on whether other people around you are walking on eggshells, whether they're um, avoiding you in order to so that not to disturb you or not to um, upset you. Now, sometimes that comes from other issues. But if you're looking, but if you know those issues and you're looking to see whether you're toxic or not, trying to figure that out. Okay. When people give up in arguments with you and and they realize that they can never change your mind or so on and so forth, begin to really look at yourself and, and everyone else as a mirror that reflects you so that you could be more um, introspective about how you treat other people and how you listen to other people, how, how your heart is towards other people. Yeah, I think pay attention um, and replay some of the biggest arguments you've had with loved ones. Mm. There are common themes um, that people say, you never listen to me. Uh, You know, you're always right. It's just fine. I can't ever reason with you. You know, things like that. There are things with people that you can, if you can take a step back and listen. Um, I know several toxic people distantly in my life right now where everybody has said the exact same thing to them and they still cannot hear that they are toxic. But if they took a step back and listened to all of the different things that people have said, they would realize, oh, maybe it is me that's toxic. Mm, that's and, good. and so that it, it's, it's a hard step back and, and saying to yourself, 
have I heard certain things over and over again? And maybe sit down with your phone then and type it out um, and say like, yeah, I heard. Okay, they've said this. They've said this. And see where that and start. Start there. Excellent. Excellent. Um, One second here. Oh, thank you, Lauren, for the super chat. There we go. <laughs> I couldn't press the button, babe. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. We appreciate it. Super chats are really, 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 um, we love them. <laughs> we do. Thank you, you guys, for our love offering. Right. It, it really helps us to grow and it helps us to continue to do what we do. We really appreciate you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. If you have a question, you get priority. So please let us know for sure. But let's hit this other young man's question that came through. Sure. Does does one's heart have to be broken in order for someone to extend a helpful hand? Aww. Does one's heart have to be broken in order for one to uh, extend a helpful hand? I'd like to say no, and typically it is a no. But when a person's heart isn't broken, what is it? It's the opposite. It's full. It's trying. It's hopeful. It's faithful. It's loyal. It's, it's working on a particular situation. And so what happens is, is that person does not see the need for help because they got it all themselves. Case in point, anybody in here who have children, right? Or who have been that child who had had a bad partner or a bad person that you were dating and everybody around you told you about it or you told your children and they didn't listen to you or you didn't listen to somebody else. Mm -hmm. It's because we was in that relationship so full and high off of that relationship that we weren't able to hear or get or receive the help that we were getting from that relationship. Other people's discernment don't work well. So usually what happens is we have to be hurt and broken in order to be humbled enough in order to receive the direction and, and guidance that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see here. Uh, you want to, let's answer this and then we'll get back into the chat. Okay. Cool? Yeah, go ahead. This is a good one. A guy asked this, are men completely responsible for soul ties? Ooh. <laughs> are men completely responsible for soul ties? To answer the question, uh, in short, absolutely not. Soul ties are intimate relationships that are the responsibility of both people. Those connections are not made without both people participating. Right. We only hear from uh, toxic and broken soul ties from women because women are louder in expressing their pain, hurt, and distress. Men do not express pain, hurt, and distress. Instead, uh, what we do is we either suffer silently or we move on to another relationship to self-medicate with that relationship. We rebound a lot harder than women do. Um, women rebound, but we rebound a lot harder. And so what happens for men is we never actually even indicate that we have a connection with that person. We'll just hit them up with that text. Hey, big head later. But we never really deal with the idea that we were hurt, that our feelings were hurt, that our, 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 our heart was broken. We don't deal with that. Women, they do. Women speak mostly. We Women ask the most questions. Women are the most interactive. Women have the greatest support groups. And it's not that men don't have support groups. It's just that the support groups that men have often support their ego rather than the truth of what they need. And so what we do is we pat each other on the back. We go and do something athletic and we get it all off our chest um, instead of really dealing with that, the depth of the heartbreak. So, uh, but both are responsible for any and every soul tie. Both It takes two to tangle. That's right. Okay. That's right. 
let's go to the next. Uh, where, where are we at, babe? I'm, I'm here. I got you. I got you. Okay. Um, she asked, how do you handle a spouse who has falsely and without cause accused you of being unfaithful, refuses to believe otherwise, and treats you as if there are other people, pictures, videos, texts, and emails? Can I start? Yes, please. So here, here's what I'm going to say to this question. Um, I, I've i been there, and I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Unfortunately, I have been there. And I will say 99.9% of the time, mm-hmm. when somebody is this adamant about what you're doing, and uh, you know, even if you've tried to uh, prove otherwise, you, you've drawn Venn diagrams to show you've proved, <laughs> you've had an open book therapy about who you are, what you're doing, who you're with, I am 99.976.23% sure that they're the person that's actually doing this. And this is a ploy to control you and manipulate you so that you're always focusing on your actions and you're not focusing on their actions and what they're doing. I'm going to tell you, that's, it's a manipulation tool and it's a ploy. And a lot of times people legitimately make up the horrible things about you in their mind so that justifies how horrible they're treating you. It justifies the nastiness that they spew at you. They Say that again. People make up. People make up negative things about you. So and they they can actually force themselves to believe negative things about you because it justifies the way that they're treating you. Mm. It justifies the nastiness. It justifies the lies. It justifies the emotional shutdown. It justifies them actually uh, making you feel as if you're not enough, that you're not good enough. It justifies them making you metamorphosize into somebody that you do not recognize so that they can continue being the monster that they are. Stop mm. letting them do that. I'm gonna let you pick up from there. No, 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 no. That was perfect, babe. That was absolutely perfect because here's the thing: when someone is dead, what 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 Takar said is so important. They may be cheating, they may not be cheating, but one thing that they are doing is abusing you emotionally, mentally, and physically. Or not physically, but emotionally and mentally. And what that does is that draws out your 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 need to please them and to prove to them mm-hmm. and that can uh that can that can hurt you uh be very 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 careful i would suggest going to go see a counselor um or you know impromptu uh, have a have one of those have a a free meeting or something like that talk to somebody who can actually help identify that and show that that's that's not good behavior that's that's distrusting. That's insecure. It's you laid everything out. I'm sorry. I don't want to um, belay. I don't want to you know keep that going. But gee Mm-mm. whiz, that that's that's heavy, and we are sorry that that's happening for you. Um, yeah, definitely get counseling because what it's going to have you doing is start questioning and second guessing your every move, as if like, well, did I do this? What am I doing to make them feel like I'm doing this? And it's not you. It's a hundred percent them. It's a hundred percent what's in their mind. And you're right. I apologize. I should no. not. I should not assume that they are cheating. I'm gonna say every case that I've seen of this, that has been the case in the end. But what you said was so important, though. They they use it still as a an excuse to mistreat them. Yes. That's why I had to repeat, man. That was that was you're being mistreated and that's not good that's not good at all let's do it erica thank you so much erica for this i need need your voice baby get your (laughs) voice in there you whispering i'm like i'm sorry thank you why are you trying to talk sexy to these people no baby look if we gotta fix the volume fix the volume i'm trying to deal with the volume you like yeah that sound good babe you laid that out Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh 
Uh-uh. This ain't Aston Martin's after hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to adjust. I, I don't oh, know nah. about this thing. Yeah, we're going to fix that. You whispering in these women's ear. No. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, ma'am. No. Yes, ma'am. I get you. <laughs> Erica, thank you so much for the uh, for the super chat. We really appreciate you. Let's go ahead and read Erica's and see what, what, what we can offer her. Yeah, I finally found the courage to ask for a divorce after he had multiple affairs, but I'm struggling with unworthiness of and the guilt of breaking up our family. Well, okay, you want to start? No, no, you go ahead. Okay. So here's the thing. You're never when people get married, people do not get married with the intention of a divorce. People do not get married with, hmm, maybe there will be a divorce. Marriage is the ultimate level of commitment that we have or, or that we show, that we express in a public form, in a public place, place. So we set those particular expectations. So regardless of how he treated those expectations, you, you treated those expectations extremely well. Mm-hmm. And so you have a feeling of failure for upkeeping those expectations. So the first thing I will ask you to do is, is um, uh, separate yourself from his behavior. You are not the reason for his um, behavior. What affairs are, are abuse. Affairs cause trauma, emo- extreme emotionally tr- emotional trauma. It causes us not to be able to eat. It causes us not to be able to sleep. It causes us to lose um, control of bodily functions, depending on how severe the trauma is. It causes us um, not to be able to um, hold ourselves together emotionally. Affair. It, it causes dreams that we can't, nightmares that we can't get around. Affairs are extreme trauma, and you've been gone through that. You've been brutalized through that a few times. So So with that being the case, um, what we want you to do first is separate yourself from his behavior. You are not responsible nor the cause for his behavior. His choices are number two, um, dealing with the um, the the uh, the guilt and unworthiness that also comes from his behavior. Yes, 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 yes. That comes from the feeling that I must not have fulfilled what he needed. No, he has not chosen you. He has not chosen what he needed. Um, that's a, a, a carrot. Don't feel guilty for the person who goes and eats a Big Mac. Sorry, but that's just not how it works. So the idea is, oh hush. So so oh, we're talking about sandwiches. I love me Sorry. some sandwiches. So the idea is to understand that you are worthy. And your children need to see you continue to be worthy. Your children, your children will get to a place if they're not there already or an age where they understand what's going on around them. And they will either uh, be hurt by the way you're being treated or resent you for allowing yourself to be treated that way. Yeah. So what you want to do is understand that you are not the one breaking up the family. You aren't. That's he right. broke up the family. He, 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 he disconnected from the family. He pushed himself away from the family table and ate somewhere else. He broke Mm. the family, not you. You're the consequence. You can't go on with the heartbreak. You can't go on feeling, um, uh, uh, embarrassed, humiliated, harassed, um, uh, disrespected, dishonored. You can't go along. You can't continue to go on being like that because that's going to hurt you. That will destroy you. That will destroy you emotionally and mentally. And that will catch up physically. 
it will catch up. It will become the 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 cancerous behavior will become cancer in you if you don't escape and to survive that. It is up to you to survive that. You must survive that. And I know it's easy to say and hard to hear, but um, that's something that we do. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. And I, and one thing I wanted to say also to you, Erica, is that it's very important for you to grab onto what Kenyon just said. You didn't you're not you didn't break up the family. He broke the family. And the reason why it's so important to grab hold of that is because when you get to a place of consistently feeling like you're the reason it allows them to control and manipulate you even outside of that marriage. It allows them to keep you under subjection. It allows you to keep them um, uh, coming back in, peeking in and out. It allows you to um, keep, um, you know, a lot of times we go through divorce and we try to be nice when they guilt you into feeling like you are the cause of the divorce. It allows them to also take advantage of you even throughout the divorce proceedings. And it's not fair. You have to, from this day forward, begin to take care of you because he refused to. You have to begin to take care of yourself and think about you and your mental health and now the health and well-being of your kids. Because if you didn't step out of that, what were they going to become? What were they going to see and accept as relationships for their own lives if you didn't step out of that? So no, it is not your fault. No, you should not feel guilty for that. There is a process in overcoming that, but it starts with you saying, I did not break up the family. He broke the family. Amen. Matter of fact, matter of fact, write that down, Erica, and like literally have it in your phone and your notes. And every time you begin to feel that guilt, remind yourself, I did not break up the family. He broke the family. Absolutely. Man. Okay. Man, you hit that. You hit that. You hit that. Um, Akisha asked just really, just really, really quickly. Is there an option to send an email? I have a three part question. Um, just go ahead and hit it in our DMs. It's a lot easier to handle. Yeah, we can. See, yeah, we can. See, we see all the DMs. A lot of these still come from our DMs as well. Absolutely. And and the reason why, I mean, we know you probably wasn't able to do it in the little space provided in IG, but if you hit us in a DM, we'll we'll look for it because you identified yourself, and then we'll we'll take a look at it. We don't look at our emails uh, enough to. Uh, well, we just get so it. many. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's the better way to say it. I'm sorry. No, I you're don't. good. Yeah. She hates email. She, she, she hates. I don't a lot hate of, them. Uh, no, I was going to say, you hate a lot of emails, not emails. You hate a lot of them. And so when you get, when you see a whole bunch, you, you should see her at work. She, she just goes spastic trying to identify them. I'm sorry. We're off topic. Let's go to yeah. Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some questions I can ask myself to know I'm ready to date after divorce? Um, well, the first thing, uh, no, you want to ask, ask no, that? Go, go ahead, start. Okay. Uh, when it comes to questions, you can ask Ask yourself, can you stand in the same room as the other person um, without responding to any triggers? Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I did not say whether they trigger you or not. Someone who hurt us will always trigger us. If you burn your hand on a stove, you will always be careful about where you lay your hand on the stove. Mm-hmm. It's how you handle triggers. It's how you handle those responses. Can I stand? Can I stand in the same room? Can um, how would I deal with this if I saw any signs of this? Would I go? You know, would I get well, really upset, or would I begin to excuse myself from the situation? Am I ready to date? Um, and when I mean what I mean by that, because that's what you're asking. But do I know how to date? What am I looking for? 
is it long term, short term? What I'm looking to get out of it? What is my purpose? What is the what is the actual meaning of dating for me right now? Sometimes it's just getting out there and, and start learning the ways of the this crazy world and trying to figure out you know who how to meet folks. You, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, um, ask yourself not just big questions but smaller questions. Am I ready? Am I really ready to you know just kind of uh, go out to dinner and and meet people or go to a movie or whatever people do in this COVID times uh, outside of Netflix and chill. Am I ready for that? Um, anything for, from you? Yeah, um, I was going to, you know, two a couple of things always um, come to mind for me is, is, you know, are you being over them? And, and something that tends to happen if to making sure that you're over them and fully healed from that last relationship, making sure that you're not dating to replace them, um, making sure that you are in a place where you don't just uh, you haven't just gotten over what other people have done to you in past relationships. But have you learned you know, what you could have done differently in past relationships too. Um, do you know what you want? Do you know what you're looking for? Do you know, um, you know, this is a woman that asks this question. So do you know the kind of person that you like? Do you know your non-negotiables and things like that? Like, I think there are so many um, elements um, into dating, but I think it starts with like making sure that you're healed. You're not looking to replace someone. You're not looking for a space filler. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also that you understand that you're approaching dating um differently than you have before in order to get better results before too absolutely absolutely and always remember that you're a wife and a wife is seeking uh, is usually seeking a husband it it, it depends on how you feel sometimes you just maybe not maybe not because some people who got married young get out of a marriage and be like "Woo, i'm free and i'm gonna stay free for a while but sometimes it can you just it just something you said that sparked the, the idea of of missing the idea of being a wife. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And be yeah. careful. Also know your love languages. What are your love languages? The yes. reason why is because you don't want your love language to be used against you. You want to make sure that you're being nurtured and taken care of. You want to make sure that you're being heard and you want to make sure that you're being empathized with, but you don't want it overused in order to be manipulated by that. And you know, anybody with game would do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, what do you do if you know you love someone but struggle to love them? We were in a relationship that broke off, uh, but he still loves me and I do him. There was a lot of external drama from hearsays back then, um, but it's just never been the same. What do I do, please? Okay. What do you do if you know you love someone but struggle to love them? But we were in a relationship that broke off. He still loves me and I do him. What, what's the struggle in loving him? Let, let's let, let's kind of let's kind of figure this out because there, yeah, there's, thank you. there's a couple of different types of loves that were I love you, but I can't love you. That's that that it doesn't really um Well, I mean the outside, it's not clear. Yeah, the outside drama stuff sounds like struggle love. Like y'all was fighting stuff, like you and him against the world. Right. Type right. of stuff. Right. There's because I mean Caring for someone and, and caring for their well-being and caring for the, um, you know, how they feel and, and, you know, them having a specific place in your life can be love. But the inability to love them in an intimate, come close, marital, romantic fashion is a different kind. And what we want to do is we want to just kind of get get clarity on on what you're, what you're talking about when you're saying I can't love them. Because if you can't, you can't. Yeah. 
All right. We got all these thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank cool. You. Yeah. Um, while we're waiting for a response to that, let's go ahead. You want to go ahead and move over here? Yes. Um, do you want to start with the top one? This one right here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay. How do you co-parent with an ex who hasn't accepted that we aren't getting back together? Trust broken as a family and a couple. Okay. So we kind of pay attention to how people ask questions yeah. because they tell us a lot more that's going on inside. She said, how do you co-parent with the ex who hasn't accepted they're getting back? They're not getting back together yet. Then she identified the issues in that relationship. While it's okay to identify the issues in that relationship, sometimes that indicates that there's emotions behind that issues. Yeah, this course. is why I don't like him. This is why we broke up. This is why I'm upset with him. And when there's trust broken and, you know, trust broken uh, as a family and as a couple, there's there's some there's some bitterness there. Now, watch this. Because there is bitterness there, that emotion's there. Emotion is a relationship, whether you it want is. it to be or not. And because re- emotion is a relationship, whether you want it to be or not, that's something that he's tapping into. So he sees that it's not over. It might not be the way he wants it to be, but he also understands that you're not finished because you're not finished being upset. So what you have to do is you got to begin to learn how to get finished with being upset. You got to go through a process of what it takes to um, release him and let him go, to forgive him, to get the closure that you need, to do good, to go forward without him. And then when you do that, you learn how to set boundaries around him so that whatever it is that he wants from you, it's none of your business so that you will never know that you will never listen and that you always reject or, or rebuff any approaches to that. So you'll it'll never get to you. That's what you do. Um, all, all too often, that door is still open a little bit. And that's the that's the reason I'll tell you this. When I know when someone is done with me mm-hmm. and men knows when there's someone done with them and it gets to a point where it pricks our ego. It pricks, and I'm not talking about the bad ego. I'm talking about the good ego, our self-conscious, our self-esteem. Being rebuffed and pushed away like that pricks our ego to the point where we either get angry and aggressive or we roll out. Yeah. Because there's no reason to be passive aggressive to someone you can't actually, um, will never respond to you. You see what I'm saying? So the idea is, is that you have to dictate and set those boundaries, dictate what's going on around you in order to make sure that um, uh, they get the message from you. you. It's not your it's not your your uh, responsibility for them to translate the message, for them to respond to the message. You may you remain consistent and learn how to forgive so that that emotion doesn't keep pouring off of you. Yeah, I, I mean, in a word, it's boundaries. I mean, you yeah. and I think what you said, there's emotion there and there is something that still keeps us connected to them. And even if you're saying we're not going to get back together, you know, the trust is broken. We're not going to be a family anymore. There's still even in saying that, I would imagine that still hurts you in saying we're never going to get back together. And so what tends to happen when if we're trying to establish boundaries, but have not firmly established them, it's because we're still wrestling with the emotions that we're carrying for them, too. And a lot of times that can lead us to giving them mixed signals and giving mixed emotions about them and their behavior. They're going to try to come in. They're going to slide through. They're going to grab your booty. They're going to try to kiss you, try to hug you. And because 
it still hurts that you have to let that go. Sometimes it can cause you to inadvertently give them mixed uh, signals. And so you have to be honest if it's really over and there's no judgment if it's not. But if it is really over, maintain boundaries. And as Kenyon said, begin to be extremely consistent about what's happening. Don't talk about the relationship. Don't talk about anything outside of the kids. What time are you coming to get the kids? Great. I'll have them ready. What time are you bringing them back? Great. I'll be ready for them. And do not talk about anything in between if you do not want to. Excellent. 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 Okay. Let's get to, I mean, we're running out of time here, so let's we go are, ahead and get to this one. Um, uh, no, did we have one before that? Uh, we just, oh, I mean, we're, after we're that, waiting I mean, for the, we're waiting for the response. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Um, how do I deal with the husband who tells other people about our relationship problems. Tell him to stop doing that. Stop that. <laughs> stop doing it. Stop yeah. doing it. Okay, um, so I don't know who he's telling. Um, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that in other women's. Right, right, right. I I don't know, I, and I hate that 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 will be the case. But you have to you have to say, hey, listen, what we're going through is private for us. We're married. I love you and I want to work this out together. How can we work this out without you actually telling all of our business? Because that's humiliating to me. It is. Actually be open about how you feel about that. That's one thing that people don't do too often enough. Hey, listen, that hurts me. That's humiliating to me. That bothers me and makes me feel small and it makes me feel inadequate or however it makes you feel. It makes me feel insecure. It makes me feel like you're using it as a, as leverage to, to get sympathy. Whatever the case may be, try not to put them on the um on the on the pedestal always talk about how you feel how it makes you feel and say hey listen i want to work through this but in order to work through this i need to work through it with you what can we do to make this happen so that you don't have to run outside of us okay yeah and one thing that we talk about in our book covered is that if you're going to talk to people outside of that relationship, you both have to agree who those people are, but you also cannot exclude the action of talking to each other about those issues as well. But if I'm going, I have a best friend that I'm like, and I literally, I will tell my best friends about it and I'll be like, yeah, okay, see, so I was talking to so-and-so today and blah, blah, blah. Like I even come back and tell my husband about these conversations because we don't have secrets and I I'm not doing it to penalize them. I'm not doing it as a punitive measure. I sometimes need to go and get my head checked to make sure that I'm processing things correctly. And so then I have the permission for him. There are two specific friends that I'm. he knows I'm going to talk to <laughs> if something goes down. And he knows I have friends that he trusts and he trusts their judgment. He trusts their godly counsel to me if I do go to them. And that's the same way with him. If he's going to somebody, I know he's not going to somebody crazy just to pop off. But we're also still coming together at the end of the day and talking to each other. And that's a place of safety for that relationship. That's a place of safety when it comes down to saying that I know that I can trust you with my heart, even to outside influences in the relationship. Um, and if, you know, get counseling. If you want to talk to somebody, go talk to somebody that we can pay so we know we're investing in the right direction as opposed to just running our mouth and possibly causing harm about how somebody else sees my spouse outside of our relationship. Mm -hmm. That's it. Excellent. Excellent. Let's go ahead and grab this one here. We're done with that list. Let's go ahead and just stay live okay. with all our people live here. Um, uh, 
so this is from that earlier question yes. of continuation. She was like, sometimes it, uh, it just seems hard that there's like there's so much he wants. And I'm in a position where I'm trying to do these things for him rather than love and express myself naturally. I've asked what his love, what is his love language? Um, and he says everything, quality time, acts of service, gifts, affirmation. He's hard to please. And I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you. You yeah. love him, but you can't love him because it's, it, it, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah. And he and he has no and there's no consideration. Yeah. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. When, when people drain you dry like vampires and, and I'm just going to be like, I'm just I just have to say it real emotional vampires would drain you dry without consideration of what's left for you. Mm. they don't let you love them the way you want to be loved or they don't let you love the way you want to love and, and not saying like when it comes to love languages we understand how that whole theoretical process goes we you know you want to give to someone what they how they how they translate love we, mm. we get that we get that but when you translate love as your soul then that's not that's not love that's ownership. That's I'm pulling everything out of you for myself. And that's something that I mean, he, there's no there's no filter for that. There's no it's like you're not unlimited and it's unfair to you. So I get it. I get it. And and how to deal with that is you have to make a stop. Sometimes people we love are just not good or healthy for us. And that's oh. a healthy approach. I mean, that's an unhealthy approach to loving. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because she said something else. She said, it feels more like I'm doing things and being conscious of what I need to do rather than just loving him from my heart. And and that's the thing. Oh, that sounds pretty controlling, too. It sounds controlling. And, and love is not enough. Like, this is a place where you're at right now. They're asking you to do more and deplete yourself and more and more. And it's never going to be enough. Now you're starting to have to think about, okay, I need to do this or I need to do this. Or, they said they need this. They said they need that. They're literally trying to control every part of you and suck you in for them. And so while you say there was a lot of outside drama and hearsay and things like that before, I'm wondering if also some of those things were manufactured by him because he wanted to find ways to control and manipulate more and more of your time. Yeah. I'm starting to see a little bit more criticism. I'm, I'm starting to see her self-conscious because she's yes. not making him happy. Yes. I'm starting to see a lot of that. And so we're getting into uh, narcissistic territory, not, not, not uh, um, diagnosing. diagnosing. We do not diagnose, but one thing that we have to be aware of is that we live in a narcissistic culture. And so there are attributes that people actually absorb or have that are very narcissistic. And this sounds like one of them consistent um, criticism so that you can't even be natural in love. Yeah, I, I, um, I get it one way when a person says, hey, listen, I need you to talk to me. If you don't talk to me, then I don't know that you love me. I know you want to be natural, but there's this part of me that I need you to perceive that's different than you're not doing this right you're not doing this right you're not doing this right i'm not getting enough of this from you i'm not getting enough of that from you each and all the time i do love you but you know you just don't make me feel really good you know yeah things like you're that. not in love that's not you're that's not 
a relationship. You're turning into a robot in order to appease somebody else. What I would ask you to do right now, especially if you, you have a window right now and the fact that you're asking for help right now and you're expressing, you're doing very well at expressing yourself and what you feel right now, you have a window um, to honestly get out, but you have a window right now because of how you're seeing things from your own perspective, you have a window to pull yourself back and request and require what you need from him as well. Step back and tell him what you need. Step back and ask him for the things that are going to fulfill you and make you feel loved in that relationship. Cause I can almost guarantee you if we are right about who he is and what it's going to lead to later on down the line, he is not going to be capable of giving you what you need and in fact will likely demonize you or villainize you for requesting your needs to be met in that relationship. But the when I say you have a window right now because it's a place where because of how you're able to strongly and clearly communicate where you are, you're at a place where you can see that this is only going to get worse if you can look at it objectively right now where you're at. Takara often tells our clients and, and, and those outside of us or outside of clients, uh, can you live forever with how things are right now for mm. the rest of your life? And if you can't, bounce. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Martins podcast, recorded live on social media and distributed to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Now, we can't grow without you, so help spread the love. Wherever you found us, rate, like, share, and leave a review. We are grateful to you and appreciate you in advance. Do you have a question for us? Then visit askthemartins.com. Ask us your question or ask for a friend. Once again, thank you for tuning in to Ask the Martins podcast. We hope you enjoyed the program.